Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everybody. Welcome and thank you so much for joining us here today. We have a very, very special episode of Newsflash because we have a very, very special guest joining us. He is probably one of the people most responsible for my personal political development and a man whose political opinions I respect almost more. And I'm interested to hear more than anybody. Without further ado, I'm pleased to welcome for his first ever appearance on Newsflash, Chapo Trap House's Matt Chrisman. All right, uh, we are so pleased once again to have Matt Chrisman of Chapo Trap House with us. Of course, uh, you can follow him on Twitter if you enjoyed this interview want to find more out about him at Kushbomb on Twitter. And, of course, listen to his wonderful podcast, Chapo Trap House. Well, Matt, I really, again, appreciate you joining this um, podcast. been obviously a huge fan of your podcast for, for many years. Um, and I do want to start off by uh, talking a little bit about what's kind of been on everyone's minds at the moment, and that is the election. Um, let's, I can just, uh, guess I'll just start with the, the most basic of questions here. Um, who, who do you see winning, Trump or Biden? And uh, how does that play uh, into the Senate and into the House? filter out the anxiety and that trauma and you just look at the data, it does look to me like Biden's probably going to win. Uh, and that means that the Democrats will probably also win the Senate uh, and hold on to the House. And I... And... That is kind of an interesting thing because I do totally get a lot of like a lot of people being very very reticent to predict after the shock of of, of twenty sixteen, uh, but as you said, I really do feel like the the dynamics are a little bit different this time around. Do you have you been able to see any kind of uh, specific dynamics that you think are different uh, in twenty sixteen uh, than in twenty twenty? Well, the big one, the giant one, and the one that it seems like people just haven't been able to really absorb is that uh, Trump is the president now. And in fact, he doesn't seem to have been able to absorb that he's the president. I mean, he obviously he he campaigns and speaks as though he was not in charge, and his followers forgive him based on that same assumption. But uh, he is president, so I think a lot of the reasoning that went into the votes of people in 2016 is going to no longer be operative, the idea that, wow, he's, he's an outsider, we're going to give him a chance. He's had his chance, and things are pretty bad, and 
you really have to have bought into a lot of his presumptions in order to absolve him of responsibility for that, which I just, at this point, I don't think enough people have. Do you think, as I, I kind of saw that he was trying to do this a little bit in in the previous debate, kind of attacking Joe Biden for not being able to get stuff done in his eight years under Obama and kind of uh, play himself again as the political outsider, even though, of course, he is in charge. Um, do you think that still, though, does kind of work for some people just because he has such still a hostile relationship to all the kind of big forces uh of power, like the the same forces that he railed against in 2016, he's railing against and pissing off now, as in the media, like the liberal elites. Do, do you think that that's, uh, magic is, is still in the air? Well, it's there for the people who are, I mean, it's, it's, it's all very, it's all black box. I mean, because people like to say, you know, his supporters still like everything he says, but everything he has pitched still affects, and that they're radically alienated from the order, and so they don't trust anything anybody else says about Trump from the media and the politicians. And I think that's all true, but we still don't know how many people that actually is. I mean, if polling means anything, it's something like 42 to 44% of the population, which is not enough to win, period. But who actually turns out, expression is a big issue, obviously. Uh, but I would say just as a matter of, as a matter of numbers, I don't think that he has a constituency to naturally win an election uh, based on people who have accepted his framing of the issues. Uh, but how that plays out in, you know, in an election with as many question marks as the one we have right now regarding uh, turnout and ballots being counted, actually, in, in some of these states, there's no way of knowing. But uh, my, my suspicion, and all it can ever to be at this point in this position, is that uh, it's not going to be enough. Yeah, it definitely seems like just some of the same energy is really not there. Maybe it's four years of just going through a rather miserable presidency, but it doesn't seem like, uh, I definitely would agree that it doesn't seem that Trump has the same magic as 2016. And that is, you mentioned all those question marks. Do you think we will be able to know the winner on election night? And what do you see playing out if we don't? Because it's, it's been a big question on uh, a lot of liberals' minds. There probably won't be enough. I don't think that anyone, I think everyone is too gun-shy now to call anything on election night, even if it looks pretty clear. Mm -hmm. My guess is that they'll broadcast, the broadcast will sort of appear off at the end of the evening on Tuesday with a, uh, with it looking like Biden is in a good position uh, and with the media freaking out about insisting to people that, we don't know yet, and that nothing has happened, and that no results are final, so that, you know, to not give a green light to state legislatures and Republican states for just suspending counting. Uh, and, but I don't think, it, honestly, don't think it will be too long before the call happens. If there's anything like a 10% Biden victory, which has been pretty consistent in polling right now. Yeah, the, I saw a poll almost as, like really that made my eyes widen this morning of Trump, um, Trump being down by 17 points in Wisconsin. I don't, I don't even know if that 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 definitely won't hold. But um, I think just the the biggest question will be, and it seems like a kind of a tall order. But do you, do you think that the Trump campaign can convince 
um, enough people that these these mail-in ballots are are fraudulent. For example, in kind of a red mirage scenario where there's a bunch of kind of in-person red votes and then the blue votes over time start to trickle in. Um, do you do you see Trump as having kind of enough institutional power and enough pull to say, wait a minute, we can't we can't let these votes continue? They're they're fraudulent. Well, he'll say that. I don't think there's any question he's going to say that. It's a question of whether him saying that could activate a plan, and I don't think there's a plan, uh, largely because it wouldn't be, it would have to be done at the state level. It wouldn't be able to even be coordinated by the federal government, and so you need you would need GOP. Uh, leaders in state legislatures in, in some of these places to come together around some sort of uh, uh, justification for, for stopping counting and then be able to hold the caucus together to to uh, prosecute that uh, in a very short period of time. And I just, I don't know if the will or the capacity to do that exists. Yeah, especially when... I mean, with... People are talking about required... People, want to, people talk about a Florida... Uh, 2020 situation for like a Bush war thing, but what allowed that to happen was it coming down to one state, which was very, very close. And if, you know, if, if it looks like what it's looking like, I don't think that you're going to have it close enough for that to come into play. Yeah. That, that it's definitely got to be at least to some degree of, of closeness for it to kind of look, I guess like things have changed um a big and kind of interesting thing that i do want to uh talk about now is you you guys do have a little bit of uh comp- competition in the uh, in the podcasting market with a, with a new entrance uh the lincoln project announced yesterday it's going to get into the uh podcasting game and the podcasting side of things of course that's the group run by prominent never trump republicans uh like Rick Wilson, um, George Conway, and pretty much all the people who uh, made up the Republican Party that, uh, pre-Trump, really. Um, it says that it is going to go into podcasts and TV shows and also attracted interest from TV studios looking to develop a House of Cards-like fiction series. Um, none of this, to me, personally sounds uh, <laughs> any kind of promising, but I just want to kind of get your thoughts on the, uh, on the Lincoln Project as a group. Well, I, what it, it, it was an attempt by Republican consultants who were squeezed out of the, the Trump campaign because they weren't because they had resisted him because they wanted to maintain you know the traditional Republican branding, looking to get new jobs. They created it, and now they're going to try to. Uh, I mean, people talk about how the Lincoln Project is now going to you know, insidiously attempt to push the Democratic Party right. I don't really think that the Democratic Party needs any help doing that. <laughs> Uh, what you're probably going to see, especially with this media project and all this money being spent on trading and infrastructure, is the hilarious sight of a bunch of people whose organization was funded by Democratic donors uh, putting out content in the next couple of years opposing all Democratic initiatives. There's going to be a new set of Harry and Louise ads against whatever uh, Biden care program uh, they try to put out, anything uh, uh, opposite. Uh, Ads about how job-killingly horrible, whatever uh, already insufficient climate uh, legislation is put forward, and that will be. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Yeah, a lot of people who probably uh, donated in, in kind of a frenzy right about now are most likely going to be regretting it uh, a couple years down the road. I, I definitely see where you're coming from on that. Um, but... This this kind of big and interesting move uh, that I think does kind of look on its face um, principled to a lot of people, like standing down from the Republican Party that's been your whole career. Like you're, it, it does on its face seem like you're 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 giving up a lot if you're someone like Rick Wilson or George Conway who has kind of had to disassociate themselves from a career and uh, a circle that they've held kind of their whole life. Do you buy that this is like a big sacrifice? And what do you say to to people who say, "Oh, well, they're giving up a lot. Like this is a, it's not it's well, not they're giving up Monday." Well, I mean, they're sure as hell not giving up money. They're not giving up influence. Uh, they're just switching parties, which at the end of the day means nothing. I mean, these people are political gargoyles. Their their job is to sit there as a uh, as a as a intermediary between the money of. Uh, the ruling interests in this country and the political parties that carry out their will. That's all that they exist to do. That, that, that flow happens in both parties, and which party they're next to while they help facilitate it doesn't really matter. Yeah, definitely kind of representative of of the neo like the neocons moving from from Democrat to Republican and now seemingly shifting back to to Democrat. And that has been um, an interesting trend uh, that. I think a lot of people have been pointing out of how the uh, the Democratic Party has almost gone, kind of gotten Lincoln Projectified almost with the with the inclusion of these never Trump Republicans and also these former suburban Republicans. Um, do you, do you buy that there's this realignment happening where we see kind of the the former working class base of the Democratic Party um, leaving? either to become disengaged or join the GOP. Um, and you see suburban Republicans moving Democrat. Do you, do you think that is uh, kind of a figment of people's imagination, or is that is that kind of be going to be the broader political trend over the next few years? We'll have to see what the vote ends up being, but the, the, some polling and, and a lot of the results in elections that have happened since 2016 seem to suggest that there is a move from suburban, well-off suburbanites, away from the Republican Party on cultural grounds, and a uh, movement of some, especially non-white uh, working-class people, towards Republicans on those same cultural grounds, which, which is a, a phenomenon that will either be exacerbated or hindered by the Biden presidency. I mean, it all depends on what you think the Biden presidency is going to be. You think that it's going to be austerity with a with a diversity uh, patina. If you think that, then I think that it's likely this trend will uh, intensify, and you will get it, you potentially get to a situation where race is indeed polarized uh, in the politics, and we have a working class versus sort of a, a, a I would say broadly college educated versus non college educated political parties, uh, and that will transcend race and other sectors, and on all arguments and all uh, differences will be along uh, cultural lines. While the question of government, uh, you know, 
economic policy, resource distribution, it's taken off the table as both parties have, have just are subsumed by a, a uh, emergency, uh, in, uh, a eternal austerity emergency that will never be changed. Do you see kind of the the working class, um, the by definition working class of this country? Kind of, do you see them drifting in towards more the Republican Party or becoming less and less politically disengaged, or or where do you see that going? I think you're going to see largely disengagement from basically everyone except for people who for whom politics they can they have enough slack in their life and enough uh, free time and enough. Uh, leisure to, uh, as a distraction, as, as a piece of ego uh, formation, indulge in having political ideology. So I think that you're going to see largely a uh, disconnection, which you, you are. 2016 was certainly uh, a part of that. I think you'll see more uh, turnout this time because of COVID and things. But I think that uh, if, if Biden's presidency is anything like it, it appears to be shaping up to be, uh, it's only going to lead to a further... Uh, uh, mass desertion from politics. And the only people left are people for whom the symbolic uh, questions and uh, cultural uh, identity issues become the most important and, in fact, only important thing. Yeah, it definitely does kind of get really a, a sense of just all type of economic or kind of just like resource-driven uh, political issues and, and debates Will will kind of be pushed out to the forefront, and it'll almost be a lot about like the kind of the respectability versus the kind of uh, not being politically correct. Will do you do you see those kind of being the the two main di- dividing lines of the parties in the future, and and less about like policy that that actually affects people's lives? I I can't I have no idea what the, the real fault lines will be, but I know that they will be uh, they will be epiphenomenal to whatever is making people actually miserable in their lives. That's for sure. They will not be, they will not, they will be, uh, identi- they will be about cultural identifiers. Uh, the specific ones, I, I, I don't know because it's going to be determined by like events and conditions. Like this was supposed to be, an, uh, I mean, immigration was supposed to be the, the flashpoint of the Trump presidency and it was for two and a half years. But now it's uh, BLM and Antifa because of George Floyd. So similar things are going to happen, and I can't predict what those are going to be. But I do know that the fault lines will be uh, about how you define yourself in relationship to these cultural trends uh, because all other politics is going to be subsumed. Mm-hmm. And a lot, of, I think, really, at this point, the only place where we see massive decisions being made on a on a daily basis that really actually do affect the conditions of people's lives is the Supreme Court. And we did have some big news on that front earlier this week with the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett. Um, in terms of the uh, the Supreme Court and the impact that it has, what what impact do you see it having on uh, like on the short term? Do you see it um and I'll ask you about the long term next. But do you see it like playing playing a big role in things like the election coming coming down the pike? Because of course there has been that fact that's been passed around. Of course that three of the Supreme Court justices uh, now uh, Amy Coney Barrett, John Roberts, and Brett Kavanaugh worked on the Bush v. Gore legal team for Bush. Do do you worry about the the Supreme Court kind of quote unquote stealing the election from from uh, Biden? 
Uh, once again, it has to be close enough. And they'll try if they can. I just don't think it'll be close enough. But if it is, they will. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Like predicting things is kind of a mug's game, and it really does seem like it's more just for entertainment value than anything. Yeah, and in terms of in terms of the um, long term uh, impact of the Supreme Court, obviously we know it's going to have such a big deal. Uh, and such a huge effect and impact on the policies that shape Americans' lives. Um, what reform do you think should uh, be pushed for, kind of from the left, in terms of making the Supreme Court uh, more equitable, or fixing it, or whatever whatever the word you want to use, or is it pass? Is it just to the point of no return? I, I mean. There's, the left doesn't really have anything that they can do in the near term. I mean, the, the Democratic Party has, has defeated them, and they have no influence within it. Uh, so they're not going to be able to pursue any policies regarding the Supreme Court in the near term. Uh, I do think any kind of burgeoning uh, political uh, challenge to the current system should involve a wholesale uh, challenge to the constitutional order as such, which, of course, would include the Supreme Court. And do you, does that come in in the shape of like a packing the Supreme Court or or limits to the the powers and and the maybe term limits on the Supreme Court? Well, term limits would be uh, if you're classic like lib liberal, uh, you know, uh, compromise reform, uh, and if and that might get pursued as some sort of stop in a few years if the Supreme Court is proving itself to be completely uh, uh, an obstacle to anything. Uh, uh, and there's like a popular uh, that, that there's a popular commitment to, uh, but I the main the main question uh, the main things you could do the Supreme Court of course you could beyond like just term limits which is doesn't really that just really changes the the future of uh, uh, calculus around appointments it doesn't really change the reality of the six three majority. Um, is obviously in- increasing the size of it, uh, reducing its veto point power, like reducing its Marbury versus Madison self-imposed ability to simply strike legislation mm-hmm. uh, or, or to abolish it completely. Uh, and as I said, the constitutional order as such should be, is, is an impediment to any kind of democratic governance in this country, a movement that is challenging uh this system should challenge all of it, and I don't see what's salvageable about the Supreme Court as such, or why it should be maintained as it is. So, I mean, I don't, I mean, we're not going to, that's not going to happen because we don't have a left in yeah. the country, but certainly what I would like to see happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely see something, maybe, 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 if it really becomes a problem, maybe a Biden and, and Chuck will try and uh, make some, some sort of change in that. Um, do you think people, in terms of the threat that it poses uh, to people's lives, do you think people realize how much of a big deal the Supreme Court is? Well, I mean, they talk about it enough. People have some sort of idea of what it is, but I guess I don't know what you mean. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> I guess, like, I guess, do like, do people take do people take the threat? Do people like realize how bad? Yeah, I guess I don't know the threat. Like it's already happened. Like we're already like the Supreme Court already exists to prevent any like real change from occurring. But we also don't have a system that can produce real change to be struck down by the Supreme Court. 
I guess that I guess that is true. It's like it's not like the Supreme Court will be able to like stand in the way of anything that is is really kind of a threat because there just won't be uh, too much coming. And um, of course, we do assume that uh, Biden will be leading the charge for the next four years. And uh, what what do you see kind of the policy coming out? What what can we expect from uh, a Biden administration? Will it be kind of more comparable to? Um, Obama, or will it be something that we haven't really seen? Um, or it's, it's a new front entirely. Uh, uh, probably some sort of bill to uh, make elect make voting easier because that helps the Democrats and maintains their vote share, which is something they actually care about. Uh, but it would be very funny to see it instantly overturned by the Supreme Court, which could very yeah. well happen. Yeah. Uh, and then probably some sort of attempt to uh, to shore up Obamacare with a, with a most likely uh, fig leaf and fake public option or just a, like an, in, an intensification of subsidies or something. And then uh, uh, sort of, and then some sort of uh, non-binding climate concept. I don't even, I don't know. I, it'll, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, but it won't be sufficient. That's all I do know. The specifics of it, I don't know, are going to depend on on uh, like specific election outcomes and who ends up in the Senate, and I don't know. Uh, but it won't be it won't be sufficient for the moment. That's all I can say. Yeah, that is something that we can probably almost always assume uh, with the with the Democratic Party. Do you see, in terms of uh, re- challenging and pushing Biden to the left, where where do you see that that energy mostly coming from? Do you think it will be effective pushing from some some figures in Congress like the AOCs and Ilan Omar's and, and the new kind of squad figures of the world, or will that mostly come from, if at all, um, organized organized um, organized like forces of people like activists or unions, for example, or I don't know. There's going to be a significant period of, of just exhaustion if Trump if, if Biden gets in where. There will be a total demobilization of everyone politically, uh, and 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 Biden will just be able to essentially set his own agenda. I think, or the people who are in charge of the, of his candidacy will do that. Uh, I, the insufficiency of the response will eventually provoke uh, a rebel, uh, some sort of uh, resistance. But I don't know why we should assume it would be any more effective than the resistance to Obama's rightward uh, government, which was ineffective and unable to push him in any direction. I guess, like, I I would say in terms of my kind of like the case for optimism that like people are a lot more, um, a lot more like they're more I think aware of the situation of like Obama was of course like pre Bernie Sanders and there's like not as big of a coalition but there's more people out there who are actively wanting to see things pass like the Green New Deal or Medicare for all or or something like that. Um, so do do but you do see some uh, a kind of a, a period of, of of going back to sleep. For, yeah, so that's why if Biden wins, that's going to be a big reason. Is because people just want everything to be calmer. Mm-hmm. They're not ready to be in a state of constant political war the way that Trump demands them to be. And if that's the case, Biden's going to have every incentive, and party behind him is going to have every incentive to uh, encourage that because then that allows him to work in in secret. Um. Yeah, I I definitely see like the a large part of the uh, the Democratic constituency taken going back to uh, to brunch. But do you think that there will be 
at at some point, do, like people like like uh, Bernie Sanders and the the left wing figures that, that we all know about, will they be able to kind of force business out of being back to normal as much as the the Biden campaign will be able to try? Do you think they'll have enough popular support to be able to do that? Well, the thing is, they don't really need popular support to do what they want to do. They just need people. They just need things to exist. Things that there has to be some sort of intervention in the form of a a concerted and organized challenge to politics in order to force any diversion from maintenance of the status quo. And there doesn't seem to be anything like that on the horizon. So at least for now, they're going to get to do what they want. And do you think do, I'm talking more about like do you think Bernie and and people like that do you think they'll be able to like stand in the way or at least even try and stand in the way of some of the the worst parts of a, a Biden agenda? They can try, but in what sense? Like, how what are they going to be able to do? Uh, maybe like I, I I again I can't see much more than kind of like raising uh, a public stink about it. But um, in terms of do do you see some? Um, a candidate maybe like i don't know aoc running or should the like the left try and uh put someone up like a new bernie in in 2024 to to challenge the uh democratic party uh i i just i don't know there's i mean it's going to depend on how people respond and how the economy responds and how covid goes how 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 much people are willing to take these are all questions that are not determined yet and i don't know the current trajectory, I would say no. I'd say that presidential politics is a dead end right now. That Bernie showed the limits of it and that the Democratic uh, electorate is pretty much uh, at this point willing to do what their party tells them to do as opposed to vice versa, which means there's no real way to challenge uh, their prerogatives. Uh, but who knows what's going to happen in the next four years when it comes to a economic and uh, crisis uh, and how public health and climate crisis continuing to refuse to allow people to go back to normal. But uh, once again, I don't know the specific contours, so I can't say. Well, what do you think we can kind of do to like, to, to break that spell or, or not necessarily we as in, as in you and me, but as in kind of like a, is a, the quote unquote left of the democratic party. What is the best way to break that spell? If it's not through progressive politics and in terms of getting people to a more left wing agenda. It's going to have to, it's not going to come from the political class. It's not going to come from culture. It's just, it's going to have to come from people. And the question that's going to have to be answered is, do we have the social capacity to organize horizontally as opposed to responding to a culture that is never going to crystallize around any opposition to the status quo because it is the status quo and it exists to uh, to reify the status quo. Do we have the social durability to 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 organize ourselves? And I don't know. And what what in terms of organizing horizontally, um, what what does that look like? I don't know. I mean, labor is it's traditionally been the thing that has done it, but we have a prostrate labor movement in this country. There's been some. Uh, bright spots and, and some rise and some militancy in some places. But uh, in general, the fact that there are so many unemployed people and there's so much precarity in this country and there's there's precious little interest in the house of government in making people's lives less precarious, 
that that makes it much harder for people to do take the risks of organizing in any way. Uh, and so I, I, I don't know. It's good. It's going to be a, a confluence of, of deteriorating conditions, uh, meeting people's willingness to and understanding of ways to change them. And uh, those, how those things develop in the next couple of years is going to depend on, like I said, things that I can't predict. And anyone, people can pretend that they know, but I don't think they can say with any real certainty. In terms of, like, realistic priorities in terms of, like what? What is the next step to get done in terms of what should be the number one goal that the the left is trying to pursue at this moment? I mean, what's the left though? I mean, I, there really isn't a left in this country. Like, there's, there's, there's. It's a, it's a subculture. It's, a, it's an affect, but it's not a movement. It, it's not any. It's not. It doesn't have organizational capacity. Mm-hmm. So, like, who who would be when you say the left making like who are the left? Who would even be making these agenda items, and how would you have any ability to get people on board with them? Yeah, I, I guess I I don't I, I the no answer really kind of comes to to the, to the top of mind from that, but I I don't really I'm trying to just like get a, get a sense of just like the the best like practical kind of steps for it. I guess. I mean, the only really kind of figurehead I could I can think of is just like someone like I don't know like the the people that we have already elected in in Congress already. But I, I again I don't think there's as you say I don't think there's really too much that they can do since they're again so small uh, in number. Um, Beyond I, that, the real the challenge the, the the thing is is people think well people will always say well we'll get in there we'll get rid of Trump and then we're going to hold Biden accountable. But that forgets yeah. that the Republicans still exist. The Republican Party is still there. There will be posing an absolute uh, existential challenge to any uh, Biden policy. And so the pressure to support Biden in the face of the worst Republicans that uh, is supposed to be, you know, the, the reason that we can't ask him to do anything on the campaign trail, when it, uh, you can't make demands of the campaign and for promises for the the term, that's still going to be there. That dynamic doesn't go away out of after the election. And so I don't see how anyone in government is going to be able to get away from that trap of being forced into uh, discipline by the very existence of the ravening Republican mob waiting to uh, disassemble everything. Yeah, it really is uh, very kind of easy to imagine somebody like um – any of any of the kind of like representatives or left wing figures in Congress being very easily kind of pushed back into line on any of this. Um, do you do you kind of worry about kind of left wing ideas um, in terms of like the the principles of like um, you know like the theory aspect of it? Do you worry about that kind of being like too inaccessible in ter- uh, for for people? I'm sorry, you cut out a little bit. In terms of, uh, yeah, it's just like it's um, with a lot of times people are like, oh, I really love the the left wing ideas. Like, I, I really love like Medicare for all. I love fifteen dollar minimum wage, like unionization, whatever. Do you worry about like if and people get into that? Do you do you think that the left could be kind of more um, 
like the the barrier do you do you worry about like the barrier to entry for people getting into like left wing politics being uh, a little too high in terms of people like feeling pressure like read the theory and all that stuff like that that's the issue but i think the the overarching one is people don't know how to do politics people don't know how politics affects them they can't they can't conceive of politics they live in a hyper normalized the, the capital realist world where the horrors of their life are just naturally occurring or are even if they recognize them as political do not recognize politics as a shiftable changeable or challengeable structure i think that's the deeper problem than anything related to like the left as it currently exists although there's plenty of problems there yeah like, there, there's just not a transmission belt from regular people who are suffering to a political project and how can we do you think there's like do you think the the political project is there and the people are there um but the transmission valve isn't or do we have to like work on the political project before we we build that transit transmission valve i i'd say that 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 they have to be done in turn i mean you have to build political structures that can reach out to people uh but then those have to be fired with a actual agenda and with you know a message and with a uh, a platform of of issues to engage people with. Oh, okay. Um, and in terms of uh, in terms for I think you may have cut out there a little bit. I'm not sure, but um, in terms of a in terms of a like trans transmission valve um like what is that like in terms and in terms of political project like what can you be a little bit more kind of specific about about those those things like what do they they look like in in practice or are we close are we too far away from those to even kind of really get a clear picture of what those would look like what what does what look like uh like the political project like the transmission like how do we get that message out to to more people how do we kind of like break through uh the the drag of people's everyday lives, would you say? I have no idea. I have no idea. I really don't. I, this has been the thing that, that since Bernie's campaign ended that, that has stuck in my entomologist is that people just were not paying attention. The people who needed to pay attention were not engaged with it at all. It did not penetrate in any way. How you change that, Bernie was doing what everybody, including myself, thought should be done. Talk about people's real lives. Talk about things like healthcare and and dwindling, uh, uh, you know, and the inability for people to uh, live on, on on the income they were making from their jobs, and uh, the dwindling power of, of of workers to control the conditions of their labor. And people weren't paying attention. Right, what 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 should, what other than that would work with a higher amount of profile than a presidential candidacy? I don't know. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, if Bernie, like, that just to me seems to be the best way, I, I guess, to do it. Really, the only way that, yeah, as you said, that can be thought of to do it in terms of profile and getting people out there. Um, do you think people weren't paying attention because um, Bernie and the campaign weren't reaching them f- uh, effectively enough? Or do you, did you see that as kind of more of a just the walls are too thick to break through? I would say that the political, the political, uh, terrain, the politics as experience in this country is experience as a media phenomenon. 
as a show. And half this country has stopped watching the program. And that means that anything that is done there, anything that is carried out there, is just not going to reach them by definition. Or it's going to reach them in a, a, a baffled and, uh, and muted and mutated version that is less likely to, to actually engage. Uh, so that's why I was saying anything that's going to come out of uh, the current and continuing crisis is going to have to have some sort of spontaneity to it simply because there's nothing that can be injected into the political uh, arena that's going to reach people who have decided beforehand or not even decided, just had it happen as a condition of life, that it's not anything worth uh, paying attention to. Yeah, it, it really, in terms of, if you look at what's been going on for however many years, like it's hardly, it's hard to really blame people uh, for, for tuning out and uh, getting disconnected from what is going on. That is for sure. Um, just before, before I let you go here, um, I'm really wondering, in terms of, of course, we've talked about a lot of the kind of dark and, and tough questions here on the show today. In your mind, politically, what are you what are you most looking forward to? What are you most hopeful for in the future? What am I looking forward to? Yeah, like what are you, what are you uh, hopeful hopeful for politically in the future? Hopeful for? <laughs> uh, not really. Any? I mean, I don't think there's. I'm not. I, I am trying to suspend any sense of anticipation, either positive or negative. I don't want to become just a, a nihilistic doomer, but I don't want to bash my head against some sort of Pollyanna uh, fantasy. So I, I just, I'm, I am reminding myself that no matter what you think you can discern from broader reaching uh, uh, phenomenon and trends that you can identify in, in the political and economic and cultural firmament, uh, what's going to end up determining uh, outcomes is going to be contingent on the way that they specific events break down. And I can't, and I don't know what those are. And I, 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 I remind myself of that just to prevent myself from becoming wrapped up in too much of a, a fatalistic outlook one way or the other. Yeah, I, I definitely think that makes sense. It's like, it, it's very easy to kind of, to get ahead of yourself, but uh, it, it really is, probably more effective i guess to to take things day by day and and look at each event i would say like as, as it plays out yeah exactly. all right um matt Christman, thank you so much for joining us today really really do appreciate it um ho hope we didn't go in too many circles there but again really really appreciate you joining us big fan of your show and of course that is chapo trap house and to follow matt on twitter at Chris Brown. that's been newsflash for today <laughs>